Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Tuesday edition of the Danny Mac show minus BK uh, Tanner. Is he on the beach yet? Do we know that? I'm not certain. Where was he of? going? Like Punta Cana? Punta Cana. Yeah. yeah. In the Dominican. Granted, I haven't received a text from him since probably Saturday. Uh-huh. That's I'm assuming good. he's on the beach. I have never been to uh, the Dominican and I really want to go. Um, that's one of the places that uh, I have not been to. I would love to go, um, and I'd love to take it in in every aspect of it, like really just see what it's all about. There are some beautiful places, I'm told, in the Dominican Republic, but uh, now I'm going to go off on a little tangent. I know we're going to talk blues, right? So uh, when Albert Pujols was starting the Pujols Family Foundation, I sat down um, with his director and I said, well, one of the things we could do maybe for Albert is do a video. And so I was working for uh, a show called Fox Sports Net Across America. Did you ever remember that show? No. So it got, basically, you could flip on, you could be watching Fox Sports West, Midwest, East, South, North, whatever, you name it. And it might pop up at 3 o'clock in the morning, might pop up at uh Prime time might pop up at, you know, at any point in time. It's kind of a filler show. And so one of the uh, things that I said, I, I said, well, I think we could really show off your foundation and what you're trying to do. So I said, how about I fly down to Florida? I'll interview you and Didi, and uh, we'll set up a beautiful set. But one of the things I'm going to do, now this is many years ago. Okay, this is before you're getting videos on your camera. What are you laughing about? Nothing. At first, I was th- thinking you were about to say this was before you were born. No, 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 no. But I guess I, I was around because I remember Pujols. Well, I might have been around when you were born. Let's see, 20 years? Nah, it was probably, you were probably about three or four. Okay. So it's... Close. Yeah. yeah. So I said to Didi, I said, here, here is a video camera. And I said, I, what I want you to do is take the camera. And when you're in some of the areas of the Dominican which were very impoverished, which were where they were going. So they were there to, uh, they were taking doctors down there and dentists and various things to try to help those that were very, very poor. I said, just just film it. I said, what I want to do, because a lot of my background, T-Bone, before doing what I do now was behind the scenes and editing, producing. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of, of television. So I said, I really want to tell the story from your eyes. And what you guys see. And one of the most incredible things that she brought back, I said, wherever you're at. I, she said, well, I can't I can't film this stuff because I'm not a professional. I said, no, that's what I want. I don't want the professional look. I want it from your eyes. So they're going down the road, and I'll never forget this. Um, and the road is just bumpy. It's dirt, rock, all that kind of stuff. And there's kids out, and as they're driving by, she's just kind of going down the street. My giving you the yeah okay the visual of it and all you see are sometimes kids in their underwear that's it didn't have enough money for socks shoes shorts pants shirt whatever and malnutrition kids so what they have done with that foundation uh to help those kids and to help those families 
has just been remarkable. One of my prized possessions is Albert found me one day and signed a jersey to me. It's personalized, and I'm going to leave it at that. It's a very meaningful jersey to me. But this thing ran, so the piece that we did was beautiful. It was a beautiful piece, um, and it exploded the foundation for awareness for him. And I told him, I said, this thing's going to go everywhere. It's Fox Sports Net across America. So you don't, like, for instance, I didn't sleep last night. Just a little I'll pull back the curtain, the old Danny Mac life. Couldn't couldn't sleep. So what am I doing? I'm flipping through channels, and if I were to run across something like that, I'd watch. You know, and so it also was about Down syndrome kids as well. So it was a, a long feature that we did, but a lot of it was done through their lens of the camera and to see where they went and to see the doctors that are trying to help these kids, to see the dentist helping with kids that needed literally their teeth pulled and replaced and things of that nature. Um, it's remarkable what that guy has done. So whether you like him or not as a baseball player for leaving St. Louis, I didn't like it that he left St. Louis. I thought it was a mistake. But that's the professional side. What he's done, though, with his foundation um, has been pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty it, pretty awesome. That's an awesome story. And then you always – every year you see something with Albert, and it's not just off the field he's doing stuff. We always see the stuff of him giving a fan a bat or giving a fan a jersey, jersey. or a glove or something. Every year there's always something in which Albert is helping someone or giving something to a kid at a ball game, and it's always something that's really special to see. I, um, I think we were in Pittsburgh. I, I bet our texters helped me with this. But there was a foul ball. He was playing for the Cardinals. Um and so he, he goes towards where the uh, the tarp was. And I want to say he made the catch, but there was a, a Down syndrome uh, kid there. I think it was a boy. But the kid just, like, lost his mind because it was Albert. And he loved to see Albert. So when he made the catch, the kid was in the front row. And I think he gave the kid the ball. I, it's one I got goosebumps thinking about. It. It's so cool to see that. And I think, like, the next day that those two – Maybe they got hooked up after the game, and he was there just to see Albert anyway. He didn't you know? He didn't care about yeah. baseball. He just wanted to see Albert Pujols, and Albert made sure to to sign him a jersey and meet him afterwards, or set up something the next day. It was so cool, um, and I see that is one of the neat things, and that's one of the things I miss about COVID is when you um, that COVID hurt us with was that a lot of times you go down to the clubhouse after the games, and then you'd see a special meeting with a player or whatever, you know, with a fan. Those kind of things, man, are just, uh, I don't know, man. They, they just, it, it just takes on, an, it reminds you that it's a sport and it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. And, you know, you. And it's about the fans. Absolutely. Um, there's a great video, too, of Albert. I think he's in Toronto and he takes, he's playing for the Angels at that time and he takes off his jersey and he saw a Down syndrome kid in the in the seats and he maybe made a, a sign for albert albert after the game comes over takes off the uh the jersey had a, a sharpie with him and boom signs it to the kid i mean that's about as good as it gets isn't it yeah that, that's the that's the kind of stories that you love to see and 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 it comes across from Albert Pujols, and you love to see from other guys across Major League Baseball as well. Joey Votto, another great example of awesome. it. He does, he does all kinds of stuff for the fans. And it's, and it's a little thing for mm-hmm. them to do. I mean, a bat costs them money, but for a guy that's making $25 million, who cares? Yeah. And you just gave that kid a bat or you flip a ball. And they'll, and they'll keep that forever. Like I, So I was digging through my stuff when I moved into my apartment, and I found a ball that I had just been tossed, that I had marked down from 
or mid 2000s, I think is what it was. And I just marched it down. It was a ball that I remember getting from Jaime Garcia and Yadier Molina as they were leaving the bullpen. I think Yadi tossed it to me. I have that ball from 2000 and gosh, I don't remember what year. I think it was 11. It was 2011, I think is what it's marked. It's marked June something 2011 that we marked, I kept, and it's just something I've always had with me. I have a uh, baseball. When I was a kid, my dad has been deceased for 20, 25 years now. He got his grade seats behind home plate at Bush Stadium, too. And so um, somehow he got them, whatever. We were there. He knew the umpire, which is St. Louis, and he just retired. And I cannot believe that I forgot his name. It's so bad. He's been here forever uh, and just retired at uh, this past year. Bruce Suter got the save. And the umpires used to go down where the equipment used to be behind home plate. That's where they would walk off. So they didn't walk off to a dugout or go through green seats. There was the a little equipment room of, of Bush Stadium, too. And so there was an area. And that's, by the way, where <laughs> you think how the game has changed, uh, Tanner. The next night's opposing pitcher would be behind there in street clothes charting. <laughs> so things have changed a little bit. But anyway... Bruce got the save. Somehow the umpire got the ball. I cannot believe that I'm uh, not thinking of his name. Anyway, and he flipped me the ball. I still have it. Yeah. It meant something. And, and I, every time I look at it, I think of my dad. That That's he, awesome. You know, that he did that. Because I'm, I'm not big on <clears throat> the memorabilia stuff. It just, yeah. whatever. I More of what I save is maybe a scorecard from, um, a scorecard from a game that meant something to me. You know, that's the kind of stuff um that I'd rather keep or pictures like one of my favorite things I kept the scorecard from see I'm going off on tangents here we don't need BK yeah no by the way speaking of BK we just asked if he was on the beach he just sent a photo to the group chat of BK and Ferrario he's on the beach yeah he's on the he's beach. chilling he's not coming back probably having a beer in his hand and enjoying the buffet whatever BK by the way hey BK it's going to be 70 this week so enjoy the Dominican um but where was I going with this? Oh, I have some of my favorite uh, mementos, if you will, are pictures of me and my my kids at the ballpark. Like they, they, they would come to the uh, booth prior to COVID and sitting there and thinking about, uh, you know, just where I was with that and kept the uh, scorecard from the like I have a scorecard and it's me and uh, um some of the broadcasters that did their final game. Then we were the St. Louis, uh, you know, t- last time we're going to see the Reds. Last time we're going to see the Pirates. There were some people there that were close to me. Or the clinching game of 2019. My daughter's in the booth wearing my uh, sport coat because she was cold. And we're just sitting in there having fun. My favorite picture I have is the, the 2011 parade. I'm on the, uh, <clears throat> I'm on a, I guess it was um, a convertible and they gave you these confetti things to shoot out, like, you know. Oh, yeah, like the fl- little confetti cannons or whatever yeah, they exactly. are. exactly. And uh, my son is in front of me waving at the crowd like he's a presidential candidate. And <laughs> I have the picture from behind waving to everybody that was in the, the bleachers that day. And the place was packed as they celebrated um, 2006, that one. Just stuff like that, man. That yeah. means stuff to me. That means more to me than stuff that signed. Yeah, that, that's the that's the fun of going to the ballpark. I, I don't know if I have many photos. I do know I have some with like some buddies of mine. I have every score, every, maybe not every because I started a couple years ago, but most games that I've been to, I have the scorecard to somewhere. And granted, yeah. mom goes through and goes, that's garbage. You can just toss it. No, 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 that game, there's something happened in that game. 
Are you a baseball card collector? I'm not a card collector. I'm a little bit of kind of a memorabilia guy somewhat because I have like photos of sign from the Cardinals guys before I started working here and before college from winter warm-up. Like the first ever autograph I got was from Alan Craig, who we've had on the show in the past. Before. Yeah. And then, uh, <clears throat> so those kind of guys, Alan Craig, Tyler Lyons is another one that I have, Randall Gritchick, Stephen Piscotti, sure. those kind of guys. And I have them hung up in my uh, room in their photos. Jerry Davis, by the way, is the uh, umpire. I was thinking of, and the text line just helped me out. All right, well, we've talked about nothing of uh, the Blues and the Stars, and they're coming up tonight, the Blues and Stars pregame at 6.30. we got time for them later. All right. Andy Strickland of uh, Bally Sports is going to be our guest, and we'll do that next. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. The Blues and the Dallas Stars coming up at 6.30 tonight. And you can hear the game on 101 ESPN. And I believe you can see the game on uh, Bally Sports Midwest. And a rinkside reporter does a great job. Also has a a fun podcast um, with Cam Jansen is Andy Strickland. Strick, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for hopping on this morning. And Danny Mac, all is well, man. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Let's uh, let's get this out of the way first because I think people need to understand that you you really have a fun uh, podcast. I listen to it all the time with with Cam. In terms of just being able to get some of the biggest guests in hockey, how have you been able to develop that? Now, when you have an ex player, there's connections there, but you are well connected uh, throughout North America with a lot of uh, the top players and executives and former players and former executives in the league. So, how much fun has this been? Where can people find it? And uh, the best guests that you've had? Man, that is a tough question. Honestly, I get asked that all the time, Danny. Like, who's the best guest that we've had? And it just really depends on where you live. I mean, we spread it, you know, spread it around. We sprinkle the infield pretty good in terms of Canada, throughout the U.S. And, you know, we get Russian players, executives, GMs, head coaches. And everyone, you know, has different stories and has had, you know, different ways that they've impacted the game. So it kind of depends. I mean, you could say Brad Hall here in St. Louis because he was so open, open about so many different things. Mike Keenan, he was so open about so many different things. You know, Ke- oh, let's go back to Keenan. Let's yeah, go back to yeah, Keenan. Yeah, what what yeah. did he say about his time in St. Louis, Jack Quinn, Michael Shanahan, uh, the 96 team that could have won the Cup? What, what did he say? Jeez, man, I'm turning into Cam now. I mean, you talk, well, this has been like probably almost two years since we did that interview in terms of what exactly he said. But listen, um, it was just such an interesting time, you know, like uh, he didn't feel, feel like he was given a real shake, but he said he loved the city of St. Louis. He loved people here and, and whatever. People have to go listen to it, Danny. It was a long time ago since we did sure. the interview, but it was more about the relationship that he had with Brett Hall. You know, a lot of the, uh, you know, conversation was centered around that and other, you know, players on the team as well, you know, sitting Dale Howard, Chuck. Um, you know, at a time when his, you know, ill grandmother was going to be in the stands to watch him play. And he knew that and he still sat him and made him a healthy scratch. And, Did he regret it? And that's, and that's when, no, he says he doesn't regret it. Listen, a lot of these guys, same situation, Danny, when we had Mike Babcock, Mike Babcock on, and this is the first full interview that he had done since he was fired 
by the Toronto Maple Leafs and all the headlines that were created, negative headlines in terms of his experience there and how he treated players and what players were coming out and saying about him. And these guys all tend to kind of make excuses. Nobody takes any accountability. Nobody you know, truly admits any mistakes. And, and Mike Keenan's no different than some of these other guys. They don't do that. And so, therefore, do they regret it? Deep down, I don't think they do. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I want to get into a bunch of issues with the Blues and with the NHL. I am going to start, though, with the potential of NHL players playing in the Olympics. So I understand it as there'd be a five-week quarantine if they go to China and play. I, I can't see NHL players doing that. Well, we'll see if it's five weeks. And again, this is the IOC um, in combination with the Chinese government. You're hearing 21 days. You're hearing potentially as much as five weeks. Now, you're getting the NHL involved here, and we'll see what type of adjustments are made to some of these rules and some of these guidelines. I will say this. There's 0% chance the NHL is headed over there under the current guidelines as it sits right now if the reports are accurate three to five weeks i've talked to players who will play in the uh, in the olympics i've talked to managers who would manage in the olympics and it's not just the players it's coaches it's management it's it's the support staff if you're talking about quarantining for five weeks from the last day of the olympic hockey competition the gold medal game uh and the time that they get back to North America, I believe there's nine weeks left of the season. So we're talking like if you test positive on one of those last couple of days, you're missing more than half or you know about half of the of what's left in the NHL season. Players don't get paid if they're stuck over there um, and they can't compete for their NHL team. But the reality is, and, and listen, it's not just hockey players. I mean, it's figure skaters, it's snowboarders. I, listen, all the athletes would be forced to be under the same type of restrictions and be in a hotel away from their families, it's just not going to happen. NHL players will not, and I mean will not, compete and represent the NHL and their individual teams and their countries and participate in the Olympics under these certain guidelines. Now, figure skaters and snowboarders, is, listen, this is the, the peak of, of their you know, athletic you know, achievement, right, sure. to get to the Olympics. And maybe some of those athletes would take that risk and take that chance. But when it comes to NHL players, it's just not going to happen, and if they're going to play, you're going to have to have some serious adjustments made. Do you think that this has been good for the NHL to shut down the league, go to the Olympics, and if it's in North America, I can understand it. You can put those games in prime time. So, number one, has it been good for the league to showcase the sport? And uh, I would imagine that a lot of the players, they do enjoy it, but what's the general feeling about that? So a two-parter. Yeah, look at it a couple of different ways. Is it good for the NHL? Absolutely not. I mean, they make no money off of it. There's nothing really the NHL can gain other than, you know, some superstar players get more additional exposure. I think for the fans, it's great. And the players, they absolutely love it. I mean, Danny, listen, the players voted to go. And the players, the overwhelming number of players, they want to go to the Olympics because most players won't be participating in the Olympics. And then that means the rest of the NHL players are going to be on a beach somewhere and get three weeks vacation, right? So, again, the players who aren't, you know, at the level to represent their country in the Olympics, they're hoping they go so they can go hang out in Turks and Caicos for three weeks, you know? Um, but in terms of it being great for the Olympics or for the, for the NHL, no. I mean, the NHL doesn't want the players to go. They don't want to shut down the league. Owners don't want to shut down the league for three weeks. Then why do they it? They want to continue to play. Well, because 
uh, they were able to negotiate that with the NHLPA. The PA wants to go badly. And so they agreed to allow the players to represent their countries and participate in the Olympics. The league and the Players Association now are starting to turn their attention a little bit towards bringing back the World Cup of Hockey. We've seen that a couple of times. We saw it a few years ago as well. And that's always been a very popular event. Listen, this could be the only opportunity for Canadian fans to see Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid play on the same team. So I get it. I love Olympic hockey. It's some of my favorite hockey to watch, Danny. The time change, obviously, it's in China. It's different than it was in Salt Lake or Vancouver. So that makes it a little more challenging. But to answer your question, the NHL doesn't like it, but the Players Association certainly does. And it's the players who have the opportunity to opt out of this. This is not in the NHL or the, or the league's hands. This is purely in the players' hands. And I think they have until January 10th to make that decision. Yeah, I'm with you. I, as a fan of the sport, I, I just love seeing the, the top lines that you get together. Like you said, McDavid with some of the others. It's, it's fabulous hockey, uh, and it's fun to watch. I want to ask you, by the way, Andy Strickland is our guest from uh, Bally Sports Midwest. Uh, you see him on the Blues games, especially at home, and really a, a terrific insider to what's happening with uh, the National Hockey League. Um, have you ever seen a stretch of, of hockey like this that any team, well, let's just start with the Blues, that the Blues are facing right now with COVID, uh, injuries, illness, whatever the case may be, with all these big name players that are out of the lineup and how they've been able to perform? No, it's crazy. I mean, we've seen it with a couple of other teams this season. Teams like Ottawa, the Islanders, they had their games postponed. The Calgary Flames right now are having their games postponed right now. I think they had six players test positive over the course of the last few days, a number of support staff as well, trainers, coaches, and whatnot. So um, it's really across the board. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I think 17% of the players have tested positive for coronavirus or COVID-19 here this season. Like, it's a pretty high number in terms of how many players or 17% that are currently in, um, you know, COVID protocol. So, so we're talking a crazy, outrageous number. It's not going to go away. Um, the Blues have been testing every single day. You know, earlier in the year, it was every three days. But once you have an outbreak or more than one outbreak, then you're required to test for COVID-19 every single day. That includes coaches as well. Um, and, you know, listen, I'll give the Blues a lot of credit for what they've been able to do. It's not just about who they've lost and who's been out of the lineup, but it's the contributions they've gotten from certain guys who have come up from Springfield and found a way to impact the games. And the fact that the Blues are winning games and getting points without having a full stack lineup, right? They're going into games two men down, one man down, you know, playing with 10 or 11 forwards, being forced to play a defenseman up top on the wing as a forward in some of these games as well. And then those players are getting hurt, as was the case with Jake Wallman. I mean, he played forward, I think, for a couple of shifts, and then he had to leave the game. So, Listen, what we're seeing right now, it truly is incredible. It makes it fun, honestly, going into these games, not knowing what you're going to get from some of these players. But when you see some of these goaltenders, including John Gillies the other day, Charlie Lindgren, who's 3-0, and he's going to get the start tonight in Dallas, man. It's been amazing to watch these guys have success up here. Who has surprised you the most of uh, these players that maybe we didn't anticipate that we were going to see? And then a follow-up to that, have some of these guys made the impression enough to stick around? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you two names. Uh, you know, one would be Charlie Lindgren, like I mentioned. I mean, he hadn't played in the NHL in a couple of years. And for him to get thrown in there and perform the way that he has 
really is just spectacular to win three games. I know the first, you know, victory that he got, he only had to make three saves and he came in relief for Billy Huso, but still pretty impressive. Same with John Gillies the other day. Uh, but Logan Brown has been the most impressive player for me. I mean, this guy's getting points virtually every game. Um, you know, Craig Berube has trusted him enough where he's played him up the lineup with Ryan O'Reilly. He's been on the fourth line and his game doesn't change. I've watched Logan play for a long, long time. And to see him make the adjustment that he has to make and that he has to make to be an NHL player has been, you know, extremely impressive. Sometimes you got to learn as a young player to embrace uh, not to be the player that you want to be, Danny, but to be the player that you have to be to play in the National Hockey League. I think that's what he's done. Um, He's worked with a skating coach. He's become a much more powerful skater. He competes way harder than he has in the past on the puck. He wins battles. And he's certainly gifted. I mean, there's a reason why he was the 11th overall pick, and he's got size and he's rangy. He's got incredible hockey sense as well. Um, so you can allow your instincts to take over when you have the puck on your stick in offensive situations, off the rush. But just the way he's transporting the puck through the neutral zone and how hard he's playing, this is exactly what he needed to do and what was limited him before and why he didn't you know, truly crack uh, an opportunity to stick with the Ottawa Senators before. He had to change his game, and he's done that. I thought you might say Nathan Walker. I know, but i, I got to be honest with you. Like What he's doing doesn't surprise me. Now, okay. did, I expect, did I expect him to have a hat trick in his first game and then to have a, you know two points the other night? It's the first two games of his NHL career that he's had multi-point games. But you know he played eight games with the Blues last season. He's had other call-ups in the past. We all know that he can skate, and for a smaller player, he's very competitive. But this guy has come up and made an impression before. Again, I didn't expect him to have a hat trick and do what he's doing right now, but to see him play, that doesn't surprise me. Listen, I think most people who have watched Nathan Walker truly know that he skates well enough, and he's good enough to play at this level. Andy Strickland, our guest. Um, Were the Blues close at any point to having a game canceled or a couple of games because of all the COVID issues? No, because I think when you look at the Calgary situation, I think you have to get to, you know, that five to six number, I think, for the league to truly consider postponing games. And they don't look at injuries the same. In fact, they kind of look at COVID situations similar to injuries. So but when you combine the injuries and COVID, um, the league just doesn't look at that and say, okay, well, they've got too many injuries and too many COVID cases. You combine it, we're going to postpone it. I think the COVID cases truly have to get to a number, um, and like I said, five or six or greater, for them to consider, um, you know, uh, postponing games. Because then it becomes a health and safety issue, not only for the Blues, but also for the team that they're playing against. And you want to make sure health and safety is obvious priority number one, I guess. And listen, there's been a lot of attention made about, you know, the NHL, uh, you know, not giving, you know, salary cap relief. And I've talked to Bill Daly about this on a couple of occasions. You know, he's the deputy commissioner of the NHL. And I talked to the Blues about this, too. And there's some things that people don't really talk enough about. And that is the owners really weren't looking for salary cap relief when these discussions, uh, discussions were taking place prior to the season. Just because a player goes on the COVID-19 list doesn't mean they don't get paid. So now you have to call up another player. You've got to pay them their NHL salary. And before you know it, you've got 30-plus players on your, on your payroll that you're paying all one-way contracts in the National Hockey League. I don't think most owners around the league are too excited about doing that either. You don't want to play shorthanded. 
So again, it's a little bit of a you know catchy situation because what do you want? Do you want to you know have a crazy payroll that you really can't afford, or do you want to play shorthanded? Um, so that's one thing right there. But also, you know, you look at what took place earlier in the season with some of these other teams. I think we get to the midway point. Maybe the league is going to make some adjustments, but I think they also look at it. Hey, listen, if we didn't do it for this team earlier in the year, this team had to play shorthanded. We can't all of a sudden make concessions for this team just because it's happening later in the year. And the situation right now in Calgary also, because of all the cases they had, Danny, they were supposed to play in Chicago last night. If more play, uh, players were to test positive in Chicago, they couldn't get back to Canada because they can't cross the border when you have a positive COVID-19 case. So considering them being a Canadian team, it made the situation a little more complicated. I understand what you're saying, but what about the general idea that the NHL wants to have the best players on the ice? So, you know, it, it, like the Blues were stuck and trying to get under the cap, and yet they had a couple of guys that had incentives in their contracts, which would have taken them over the cap, but you would have to assume they would have called those players up if they had, you know, cap relief. What about that idea? Well, listen, I think a lot of people would agree with you. I mean, pay, you know, hey, listen, the fans spend a lot of money for these exactly. tickets. They want to watch the best players out on the ice. And, you know, I know you're talking about a guy like Jake Hofer. And yes. our, uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, Hofer, the goaltender down there in, in, uh, in Springfield, who is the top goaltending prospect the Blues have in the organization. And they weren't able to call him up because of, you know, the bonus, you know, structure of his contract. And the same thing happened to Scott Perunovich earlier in the year. They couldn't call him up when they wanted to get him up here. So I get that. I'm on board with that, man. The fans who spend a lot of money, they should see the best players in the world. I was just going to ask you about Perunovich. What have you thought about him so far? We've heard a lot about him, obviously highly decorated coming into this. So what have you thought of his play? Well, he's been good. He made a mistake a little bit the other night, obviously, in overtime that led to the penalty shot, you know, in, in, the, in the game-winning goal there from Troy Terry from Anaheim. Um, I mean, you look at Perunovic, he is what he is. He's come as advertised in terms of his ability to quarterback a power play and how offensive he is. He's got incredible skating ability. He's great with the puck. He's a great passer, great vision. Um, he's only going to get better. He just doesn't have a whole lot of experience right now. But, listen, that, that time will come. And he made a mistake the other night. Mistakes are going to happen. I think he's got to get better, obviously, and this will come with more experience in terms of how he defends, especially against bigger players at this level. But there's no question in terms of what he does the best is at a real high level. And I'm talking just in terms of his skating ability, his ability to operate a power play. He may be the best power play quarterback the Blues have in the organization right now. In fact, I said that actually during training camp, just in terms of how impressive he was. He was a point-per-game guy more than a point-per-game guy. I think he was leading the American Hockey League in scoring at the time of his call-up. And they're happy with him. Listen, there's some growing pains that come with any young player, especially a defenseman that's undersized. We're seeing that a little bit with him. But I think the coaching staff has done a good job in terms of how they've worked him in, the matchup game that they've played, how they've used him in certain situations to give him the best chance to have success. A couple more, and I'll let you go. Vladimir Tarasenko, I was looking the other night, had a season-high 21 minutes, 14 seconds of ice time. Uh, Where is he at right now? And and he just turned 30 yesterday, so happy birthday to Vladimir Tarasenko. Where is he at right now with the Blues, and where are the Blues with him? Well, listen, I I, I think he's in a good space right now in terms of his headspace. I mean, uh, he's playing a lot. You just mentioned how much he played the other night. Uh, he's on the number one power play. He's getting a chance to play with good players. He's on that Russian line right now where he seems very comfortable. 
you know, the last couple of games that he's played have been two of his better games, just in terms of his ability to skate. His skating is as good as we've seen from him over the course of the last few years. He's hanging on the pucks. He looks strong on the puck. His passing has been absolutely sensational, just in terms of his ability to anticipate and just the chemistry he has with with uh, Bucinevich and Barbashev. You know, the goal scoring you'd like to see, you know, obviously increase. And, and that's the one thing with Tarasenko throughout the course of the season. You know, even when he was playing with Robert Thomas, I mean, he was getting four or five grade-A chances a night. And he just wasn't burying the puck. And a lot of the goals that he scored early in the year, you know, when he scored his first seven goals, look like, you know, he was, I think he was stuck on seven goals, I think, for like 11 or 12 games, something like that. A lot of those goals were scored around the net, which is a good thing because he does have a great shot on the outside if he can, you know, play closer to the net and chip in another five, ten goals a year just around the blue paint, what could that goal total look like? The puck isn't coming off his stick probably with the same velocity that we've seen from him during the years where he was scoring 35, 40 goals every single season. I mean, this guy was one of the few players in the world that we've ever seen, at least in recent years, who could truly beat an NHL goaltender routinely, consistently from the outside with a wrist shot. Not a one-timer, just a wrist shot standing still one of the more difficult things to do in all of sports, he could do it. And if the goaltender did make the save, they were forced to fight it off. It always led to another scoring chance off a rebound. And, you know, now goaltenders are starting to eat up, you know, his first shot. They swallow it up. We're not seeing them have to fight it off and seeing, you know, second chances as a result of the shot. So, you know, you got to hope that maybe that comes because he gets himself in situations, Danny. He's getting a ton of chances, which is a positive. But again, you'd like to see him start to bury some of these chances that he's getting. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. A St. Louis kid, um, Ben Bishop. So degenerative knee is going to force him to retire. The Blues play the Stars tonight. 413 games, Strick, and a 2-3-2 goals against average. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. And, you know, he was the best in the finalist on three different occasions. Represented USA Hockey in a number of tournaments. You know, he went to the Stanley Cup final with Tampa Bay back in 2015. Um, You know, one of the best games he ever had in his career was that game seven with the iconic picture with he and Pat Maroon following the game. And, and, you know, when Pat Maroon was able to score and become the hometown hero. Um, But listen, I've known Ben Bishop for a long time. In fact, I'm going to be sitting down with him uh, in about 30 minutes or so. And you'll see that interview tonight on Valley Sports Midwest during our pregame show. So a little plug there. Um, but this guy's an incredible athlete, six foot seven. We didn't see too many goaltenders his size come into the NHL and have the success that he did. And I'll never forget going back to 2004 when the Blues had a charity event here, the year the season was canceled, and all the big dogs were playing Brett Hall, Pronger, McKinnis, Roenick, Newendike, Gary Roberts, big charity game at the family arena. And it was Ben Bishop. He was a teenager at the time, they needed a goaltender last second fill in and he stood on his head and it was from that point going forward larry plo was at that game watching that charity game that night they started to track his progress and started to watch him and then they drafted him in the third round just a few months later and he went on to have a great career the best goalie to ever come out of st louis hands down and he's a great person too boy that's a great story looking forward to watching that tonight strick hey thanks for your time buddy you do a great job and uh we'll catch you very soon Anytime, Danny. You know that. You got it, buddy. That is uh, Andy Strickland, and uh, you'll see that interview on Valley Sports with Ben Bishop. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN.
never been uh, more excited about a crossover that includes both Alex oh, okay. and Jr. I thought you were just going to say Jr. No, Hello, no. Because you, you told me that uh, when you came in here, you said, I'm not talking. JR's going to do all the talking. When you get the legend in studio, Dan. Actually, when you get Tanner, two legends in he's studio. He's got a good point here. You got Tanner and you got JR. Well, I was thinking Dan and JR. Oh, you're too kind. When you get two legends in, you sit back and you let it work. I don't, uh, no. Just be quiet about that. Um, you guys are together because BK's on the beach, so JR's in for three hours. We got blues hockey tonight. I'm assuming, let's get this out of the way, a lot of blues talk coming up. A lot of blues talk. But you know what, Dan? We got some Cardinals talk to get into today. Okay. All right. I'm going to break it down. Yeah. Good. This guy's in the studio. Well, I know you follow it because I get your tickets. Yeah, you do. Do you need to know anything about the team? Do you, you what, do you, what do you got? <laughs> no, I don't have any questions. questions. What do you got? What's your biggest question? About the Cardinals? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. The helmet nacho is going to be back yeah. this year. Yeah, helmet nachos, Pulled pork nachos. Oh yeah, that'll be back. Yeah, you, you guys ever go to the Chinese place? It's on the third At floor. Bush Stadium. Yeah, I've walked. Pa- I've walked past it so many times when you go to the 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 press box, right? And I've never gotten any. So that's on the, the level of the broadcasters. Yeah, and then the the written press and other press is up at level four mm-hmm. or five, whatever that is. Um, phenomenal. Really should try, and they have the wood uh, oven pizza there. Yeah, you you act like you're delivering news to me here. Jason Sharon knows it like the back of his hand. I don't know if you knew. I go up and down with my weight. It's just a, you know, it's not noticeable <laughs> or anything either. I so, go to games and have no idea what happened in the game. So, <laughs> we, Al and I, uh, when Al was with me, we uh, we would have ice cream every night. There's a really couple good ice cream places on that level too. Yeah, it's a really healthy lifestyle when you go pound like a, you know five pounds of chi- of Chinese food and then say, hey, I'm not done yet because I want a little ice cream, and then you go on the air and you're just bloated. <laughs> our way so to are, do it. Are we talking pregame? Are you doing this between innings or? Oh no, that would be well. Sometimes Ted Drews would deliver. Oh, so then, uh, yeah, between innings, I'd go, I'd go pound those minis. That's when you unbuckle one lace on yeah. the belt. Oh yeah, you just you'd sit have back to do and that. enjoy yourself. Absolutely, you'd have to do that. Um, one of the questions I do have, I'm I'm maybe overly fascinated by whether or not the Olympics will have NHL players. I, I'm so when they played in Salt Lake City and when they played in Vancouver which had the famous Sidney Crosby goal. It was so good for the game. Um, Both were awesome. Uh, Both situations where you had the gold medal games were just fantastic games. And I love seeing the best players in the world playing on a line. Like, I go back to when you walk into Toronto and the the, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and one of the first things you hear is the late, great Dan Kelly talking about Lemieux and Gretzky on that line for Team Canada. (laughs) in uh, the, the, the the Canada Cup against uh, Russia. I think that's what it was in 1988, I guess, 89, something like so. that. But um, so, I mean, having those guys play together, it's it's just fascinating to watch if you love the game of hockey. So I, I'm intrigued to see this happen. I hope it happens, but I guess we have to wait and see. Yeah, I was at the uh, 2010 in Vancouver there for that Crosby goal, yeah. and that was amazing. I actually got my camera out or my phone out to do a little video towards the end just to get the reaction of the Canadian crowd when they won it. And then Parisi scores, you know, to <laughs> yes. send the game, extend the game. Oh, the pressure on the on Team Canada was immense. Just amazing. And yeah. I know with uh, Doug Armstrong, it's it's been an amazing experience for him to, to prep this team. That's why I would like to see all this hard work and, and obviously the greatest players on the ice. You, you want to see it happen, but Dan, I got to admit, I'm I'm a little skeptical. I mean, the more you hear from these players talking about you know being quarantined for three to five weeks and what happens if they... So get, they don't get paid. That's what Strick yeah. was saying. So if they have to, they, they pop positive with COVID, now you're stuck over there. Stuck and now over this, there. That's the, the season 
fires back up and they don't get paid. Yeah, don't we get had Greg Wyshynski yesterday on with us, and he talked about a slush fund, I guess, that the IIOC is putting together for him, but it's only about wow. $5,000, and you figure yeah. uh, when you have all of these players coming over and with that slush fund, and look at how many guys are already impacted by not being able to play after seven days, so three to five weeks, wow. Yeah. Yeah, 5000 uh, that's not going to make the Mercedes payment. <laughs> Why why you gotta knock people that drive Mercedes? <laughs> no. I don't drive one, but why you gotta knock no, those people? I'm just saying, what's five thousand? I thought that was one I parked for... next to out there. No, that was me. Not oh, everybody sorry, can, you know, live the lifestyle of lavish luxury like you do <laughs> as a sports writer, yeah. JR. Yeah, I'd like to show you the What are you <laughs> driving these days? What do I got? A uh, Ford 150. <laughs> Ford one fifty. Tanner, what do you got? You I got he... a bike. Did you okay. say he bikes to work? <laughs> I, I still, I've been uh, here lucky enough to work at 101 ESPN now for a while, and my favorite line came from yesterday. Tanner, what was it? Uh, you got on the dance floor, but what happened? Uh, gosh, I got on the dance floor, but I ended up going home alone. Yeah. <laughs> he went in there single looking to come out. Of, he said, yeah, I, I spent the night alone. I said, okay, that's a little too much information, but thank you. Hey, listen, Dan, I was there, and I love Tanner, and I'm yeah. looking for big things for him in the future, but... I mean, he already is he, a star. But I don't think, you know, I'm talking about, you know, he's going to find a nice woman and, and marry her and have a great family. But I don't, think no, he, he's, I don't think he worked too hard. I watched him. You know, Tanner, you were kind of. He didn't work hard at all. With the group. I didn't. I didn't see you got to work it a little bit, Tanner. He sat at effort. that table and just watched for the good at Since least hour and a half that we the were there. The guy left right after dinner. We're right. I'm married. I got a nine-month-old at home. I don't have to don't try and play the field. blame your child for leaving early. There's no blaming the child. I'm just saying, if you want to. If you want to, you're one night for a chance to. If you want to impress a female kind, you have to actually try and impress them. Here's the thing: he wasn't even keeping crossovers. Danny, he wasn't even (laughs) keeping an eye on the bouquet toss. I don't even think he knew that it happened. Do a bouquet. Yeah, you got to get in on the bouquet toss. They didn't do one. I don't tackle somebody. You don't think you didn't see it? (laughs) You didn't even tackle somebody. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they didn't. No, you got to go after the garter. Although. The bouquet toss might not be the place to find a date because I would think those people are looking to get married soon. Tanner, you're not looking to get married soon, are you? You might be looking to settle down. Hey, dual income, T-Bone, get you a bigger apartment. Nice call. Danny, could you imagine going on a date with Tanner where uh, you're sitting there at this nice restaurant and uh, he goes, I haven't imagined this, but go ahead. J.D. Martinez (laughs) on base percentage. (laughs) (laughs) Pitchers need to keep hitting in the National League. If you don't support that, it's over. (laughs) Nice call, T-Bone. All right, what do you guys have coming up? (laughs) Apparently Alex is emotional. Did that go down the wrong uh, pipe? I guess I'm going to (laughs) host. I had the image of Tan and Danner going on a date. (laughs) (laughs) All right, these two clowns are coming up next for three hours with Tanner. Tanner and company. Tanner and company. T-Bone and company. T-Bone and company.